Well, good morning. Good morning. Everybody good? Yeah, that's good. You know, the Bible says Mark 10, only God is good. God in you is good. And when you're in God, it's good. Amen? Today we're going to talk to your spirit and your mind and your heart and everything about you. Because what we want to do is we want to take you from focused on natural world into supernatural world. See, church was never designed to be a place for you to get three easy fixes and go home and feel better about yourself. God wants the church of Jesus Christ to understand her position in him, to be able to leverage things of the kingdom in such a way that you literally move heaven and earth and you move heaven to earth in the process. I want you to think about it like this. There's a couple of thoughts that just kind of hit me as I was putting this message together. One is that God is not vague. He is always specific. Now, we're vague. We pray vague prayers. You ever sat down and said, God, I just pray that you will bless me? It's pretty vague. What kind of blessing do you want? How about, God, I just want you to bless this food to the nourishment of my body. I shouldn't have been praying that so much. I would have been thinner. (laughs) Amen? You see how important specific is? When God answers prayer, he is very specific. And when you make a request, he wants you to be specific in what you're asking him to do. The first order of business is not to pray, but to know what to pray and how to pray. What should I pray? How should I pray? And what kind of specific things do I want to see God do in my life and in the life of those around me? And that's a key factor. Let me say this, you will never grow beyond your vision. Whatever vision you have for your future is your limitation. If you want to go beyond that vision, you have to expand your vision. You have to move beyond where you are and where you see yourself and begin to see what God wants you to see in the spirit realm. That doesn't come by reason. It comes by revelation. You begin to ask God, God, what is it you want me to see about my future? You can plan your future, and you should. You can, you can begin to take courses in college, and you can plan your future. You can begin to project out things that you'd like to see in your future. There's nothing wrong with that. But I want you to know the real power comes when God reveals things to you in your spirit, man. You begin to embrace those by faith, and you begin to see them. And when you can see them, you can realize them. You see, what you expect, you will attract. What is it you're expecting in your life? I promise you that is a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you expect sadness, you're going to experience sadness. If you expect joy, you're going to experience joy. If you experience success, you're going to experience success. You see, the Bible says that, that life and death are found in the tongue. That is, the life or death that you speak out of your mouth is going to determine the future that you live, whether it's a, a life that is filled with joy and abundance or a life that is filled with discouragement and despair. So many times people don't understand the power of the tongue. 
And they'll just start talking, talking, talking. Have you ever, have you ever had this experience? I'm sure nobody in this crowd. But have you ever had this experience where you're talking about somebody, not necessarily putting them in a super bad light, but you're kind of talking about them, and then they show up? Anybody had that experience? Just raise your hand. It's just like, where did you come from? It's like they, they just materialized out of nowhere. Do you realize that's a divine law? It's called law of attraction, and God has put that in the universe. There are things that are going to come back to you. Remember, your sin will find you out. Remember, those things that you speak are going to come back to you because God has given the power of speech to be creative. God created the heavens and the earth as he spoke them into existence. He spoke them. He didn't think them into existence. He spoke them into existence. When Jesus wanted to heal someone, he could heal someone by speaking. He could speak when they're in his presence, but he could also speak when they were absent. So he could be talking to one man and about a servant in another place. He could speak life over that one, and that servant was healed from that very hour because there's power in the tongue, and it's not limited by geography. So the words that you speak now in this particular setting, they do affect other geographical settings. Wow. So when you speak negative about you or about someone else, it has an effect on them and it has an effect on you. That's why the Bible says we will be held accountable for every idle word that we speak. Why would God say that unless there was extreme power in the power of the tongue? So as a creator, God gave us creativity as a creature to create, to actually modify the universe in which we live in, the environment we live in by speaking words of life. Always speak words of life. When you're around someone who's not speaking words of life, run if you can't bring them to the point of life. Hello. The more you talk to me, the better the preaching gets. Amen? All right, now you're all excited. Boy, finally I got a way out of this bad sermon. Okay, now. Let me take you to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. We're going to look at two passages today, one from Ephesians, one from Genesis chapter 30. I will tell you in advance, Genesis chapter 30 is one of the most unusual passages in Scripture to me. But it is right in line with what we're talking about today. Now, in Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now to him, that is God, who is able to do exceedingly... And the the idea of that word is for the sake of. The reason that God does the exceedingly is for your sake. God is working on your behalf behind the scenes to bring you to a place of abundance. Look what it says. Abundantly, abundantly, That denotes the origin. All abundance comes from God. James says every good gift comes down from the Father above in whom there is no shadow of turning, right? God never changes in his character, in his nature. Every good gift comes from God. It denotes his origin above all that we could ask or think. So here's what he says. When God begins to work in you by faith in your spirit, man, he will do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you could ever ask or think. In other words, you will never think how great God thinks, or ask for what God wants you to have. 
It's not given to you in the natural world to experience that. It says it's according to the power that works in you. The power that works in you is the Holy Spirit. So the only way you can understand the exceedingly abundantly beyond all you could ask or think is in your spirit man. Now, you have a human spirit that is filled with the Holy Spirit. So your spirit man, okay, is then inhabited by the Holy Spirit, and that the Holy Spirit, you can quench him, you can, you can deny him and say, no, don't operate in my life because I like doing things my way. You can grieve him and make him cry by your acts of disobedience, or you can release him and he comes in his fullness and you can be filled with the Holy Spirit, and when you do, you begin to have act out in the mind of Christ, living out the divine order that God had you to live out. Instead of trying to live in the natural strength and just say, you know, I'm trying to be a good Christian. What is that? I don't even know what that means. The Bible never says be a good Christian. Have you ever heard people define and put categories on people? Well, he's kind of a good Christian. He's not such a good Christian. He's a really good Christian. He's a super Christian. We've got all these categories of Christians. They're not even in the Bible. Here's what the Bible says. I'm either in the spirit or I'm in the flesh. There are only two kinds in the Bible, two kinds of Christians. I'm either filled with the Spirit or I'm not. And if you're not, guess how long it takes to get filled with the Spirit? Let me try it again. That quick. You know what it is? It's yieldedness. Say, God, I yield myself to you. I give up living my life my way. Would you fill me? Would you take control of my life? Right now, that's how quick you can act in that realm. Now, here's a couple of thoughts I want to, I want to give you. Begin to think because we're going to move into some areas that I really want to challenge you in the spiritual realm. Fasting, fasting enables you to see what is there, but not seen in the natural world. Fasting enables you to see what is there in the realm of the spiritual, but is not visibly seen in the realm of the physical. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, when I operate in faith, I see what is there in the spiritual, but not seen with the physical. When I see it in the spiritual, it can become a reality in the natural. If I don't see it in the spiritual, it will not become a reality in the natural. This is the way God operates in his universe. That's why God says, you know, you can trust him for all things, and when you believe those things which you pray for, all things will come about. We say, well, I want to get into the all things. You have to get into the spirit first. When you get in the spirit realm, selfishness diminishes. So you will always ask for the right thing. We say, well, I asked for it. You think God will give it to me? Already I can tell you with that excitement in your mouth, no. Right? Because what you're asking for wasn't spirit-directed. It was you-directed. You see, God wants you not only to have what you need, but also God wants to bless you beyond what you need. God will bless you with times of favor and give you something you don't need, you didn't ask for, you didn't want, but it was a blessing. And he does that just because he wants you to understand his character. His character is that of goodness. Well, I didn't deserve this. God goes, I know, but you're my son, you're my daughter, I love you. I just like to bless you once in a while with things you didn't know. Another thought. Fasting is the key that unlocks 
unlocks the above all we could ever ask or think. You can pray as hard as you want, but there's some things that will not happen unless you add fasting into it. You see, there are some things only by prayer and fasting. So there's a dimension that I have to enter into because what I'm doing is I'm relinquishing that which sustains my physical life in order to gain that which sustains my spiritual life. I move from one dimension to another in the spirit realm to where I begin to understand how to access the things of God, get my prayers answered, understand Scripture, and move in a fresh and a new way. The key to the supernatural realm is you see things differently. You see what you don't know how to ask for, and your thinking, you'll find, does not lead you to the miraculous. Your seeing will lead you to the miraculous. As you go out into the lobby, you're going to see that prayer wall there, and we're just awful thankful for uh, TBN this past week and showing an eight-minute segment on our prayer wall and the miracles at the wall. Hopefully, you got to see it. They're going to show it a couple more times, and then uh, they're going to pass it over to CBN. They're going to let them watch it for a while, but but you're going to see some uh, foam boards up there of a new building. I saw that building in my spirit. I didn't know what it looked like, but I saw that building in my spirit really way before we ever conceptualized and put it on a foam board. And, I, and I, because I didn't have a clear picture of it, I began to think it was buildings in this tech park that was next door to us, and I began to think and there were two different times where we went down the road of, of actually trying to buy two buildings that are in this tech park in this right around us. But it wasn't what God had. And it wasn't until one day I saw it, and I saw it right in front of our building. And I thought, well, how is it possible to build a building that will double the size of this facility and not eat up all of our parking places, and God just began to show me, and we only lose like 14 parking places, and we build a a, a four-story building that absolutely doubles the size of this facility. And it got even better because as I began to think, well, God, how do we pay for that? That's $3 million plus dollars, and and I I really don't want to go into fundraising and asking you for $3 million, and I'm sure you don't want me to ask you for $3 million. Am am I going to get an amen on that one? Amen, all right? Amen. but, but God showed me in the spirit realm how we could do it, how we could build that building without raising any money. I don't know about you. You ought to get excited about that. All right, let me try it again. I don't know about you, but you ought to get excited about that. Because if, if God in the spirit realm can show you how to build a building and not diminish all your parking places and do it without any money, it has to be of God. Amen? I can't even buy a candy bar without money. And God's going to give us a building. But we have to see it in the spiritual realm first. Now, we're laying the foundation. Everything here is foundational. We haven't even got to the sermon yet. Reason, I'm serious. Reason and revelation are not the same. You can process things in the reason, in the reasoning, rational part of your mind, but that's different than that which the Spirit of God reveals to you in your spirit because they operate on an entirely different plane altogether. One is natural and one is supernatural. And when you begin to understand that, it makes sense. So let's start with our, we're going to get to our message now. Favor is given, not earned. God gives you favor not because you deserve it, but because he is a good God. Once you understand the goodness of God, you will see the goodness of God. If you think God isn't good, you question his character, you will never see the acts of God as being good. So we're going to take you to a story. It's the story of Jacob. 
and he's working for his father-in-law Laban. And he's been working many, many years now, and he finally wants to be set free because Laban is just using him. And Jacob wants to get out of there, but he really can't afford to because Laban's kind of controlled all the livestock, all the resources, everything else. And God gives Jacob a vision. It's recorded actually in the next chapter as he looks back. But we're going to see the story here uh, where he has this vision of livestock and how God is going to change things around by sight because it brings to reality. Now watch this. Genesis chapter 30, verse 27 through 31. And Laban said unto him, please stay. Now Jacob wants to leave. And Laban says, I know. He says, I know you're the key to my success. I know it. Please stay, for if I have found favor in your eyes, for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Okay, let's think about this. Favor extends to other people. When I walk in favor, those who are around me will experience some measure of favor. When you walk in favor, if I get around you, I'm going to experience some measure of favor. Good news, right? So you want to walk with people who have favor. We bought this whole facility for the United States Post Office, and they downsized greatly, and they're now our tenant. Okay? So they downsized because the mail business was kind of, you know, losing a little bit of ground. And about three to four months into the, the transition where they moved into a smaller area of this, I was talking to the to the the manager of the post office, and he said, you know, we're, we've added another mail drop box here. And I said, well, I thought you were diminishing. He said, we were, but it's amazing since you've come in here, our, actually our circulation has increased to the point to where we had to add another mailbox because we're getting more letters. And he said, how do you explain that? And I just said, the favor of God. God wanted to bless you so you're in here so you keep paying rent so we won't have to pay all of our mortgage. That's really simple. You see, because God's favor on us favored them, their favor came back to us and extended that lease so that we can just keep paying. Right now, between these two shops here, they pay one half of our whole mortgage. That's favor. That's favor of God. Because that gives us resources to spend on other areas. Amen? Amen. No, no, let's go on. So the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Then he said, name me your wages and I will give it. And Laban still thought he could buy Jacob. See, there are people who think they can buy you or you think there's people that you can buy. When you walk in the spirit of God, you can't be bought by anybody. You will not sell yourself to the cheapest bidder. What you will do is you'll say, no, I will walk with the Lord, and the Lord will direct my path. And as the Lord directs my path, I will walk in it, and he will bless me, and his favor will be upon me. And if God doesn't bring his favor on me, that's on him, not on me. That's boldness before God. Amen? All right, now watch what happens here. So Jacob said unto him, you know how I have served you and how your livestock have been with me. For, for what you had before I came was little. Jacob just brought his memory back. Remember what you had when I showed up? It was little, he says here in Scripture. And it has increased to a great amount. 
The Lord has blessed you since my coming, and now when shall I also provide for my own house? So he said, what shall I give you? In other words, Laban said, please don't leave. If someone's got the favor on them, you stay close to them. Please don't leave. Favor, favor re- reflects God's nature. When you see the favor on someone, it has nothing to do with the someone. It has to do with the nature of God. Never give man credit for what deserves what God deserves. It's always about God. It's never about you or me. Anybody takes credit for it, you just know they're already off base. There are concentric circles of favor in the kingdom. So as we draw this circle, we're going to draw another circle. Those are really round. Those are really good, aren't they? Huh? That's not an easy task right there. All right, now. So what happens is you've got concentric circles. So let's just say that you are out here on this circle and you're feeling the effects of the favor. But what you can do is you can move in closer to greater favor with God. You can move in even closer to greater favor with God. And there's no limit to the favor that God can bring on you. You can also, on the same hand, you can move out of the favor of God. You can begin to push out into where you don't experience the fullness of what God wants to bring into your life. And what we want to do is always be moving in closer into the favor of God. Amen? Now, here's what's happening in, your, in our world. There are spiritual cross-currents that are occurring right now in our world. There's the cross-current of the Spirit of God that moves like this, and then there's a cross-current that comes of the enemy, Satan, and the prince of the power of the air, the God of this world. He's coming and he's pushing against you, and so at the same time, you, you feel those currents going, but I want you to know they indicate new opportunities in your life. When you feel the pressure, it's an opportunity. You see, when you feel like, man, I'm, I'm just, pu- I feel like I'm pushing, 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 and I feel all this pressure against me, good. That means you're going the right direction. You never want to start falling back. Oh, it's just too hard. I'm moving back. And, you know, I just don't know. Because here's what happens as you push forward, more power is given. As you move back, power is taken. It's either going to be given or taken depending on which pressure way you go. All right, now look what happens here. Genesis chapter 30, verse 32 through 36. And Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. I don't need you to provide for me. God will provide is what he's saying. If you do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep your flocks, but let me pass through your flocks today. Now it's going to get strange. Are you ready? All right, everybody say it's going to get strange. Say it again. Going to get strange. Okay, watch what happens here. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from there all the brown ones among the lambs and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and these shall be my wages. So my righteousness will answer for me in a time to come. He said my righteousness is going to be evident. Now keep that thought in mind because we're going to come back to it. Uh, when the subject of my wages comes before you, everyone that is not speckled or spotted among the goats and brown among the lambs will be considered stolen if it is with me. And Laban said, oh, that it were according to your word. So he removed that day all the male goats that were speckled and spotted, all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, everyone that had some white in it, and all the brown ones among the lambs, and gave them into the hand of his sons. So he separated all the speckled from all the solid. He put them three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. 
All right, now we don't know what's going on here, but it's something's happening here that doesn't make sense in the rational, reasonable mind. But it's going to make complete sense in the spiritual realm in just a moment. I love this quote from Andrew Murray. He said, fasting helps to express, deepen, and confirm the resolution that we are ready to sacrifice anything, anything to sacrifice ourselves to attain what we seek for the kingdom of God. You see, when, fast, when you jump into fasting and go, you know, I'm all in. If I'm not eating, I'm all in, God. If I'm going to give up food, you got to start talking. Amen? Right? I mean, my wife says I get a little grumpy about four. It's really more like three. Right? Now, let me show you something. Remember he said, my righteousness will be evident. It will testify of me. Now, watch this. Righteousness is a state of being, not of right doing. All right, now, so I'm going to do a little survey here. How many of you are righteous? Just raise your hand. Okay, let me try it again. How many of you are righteous? Raise your hand. Okay. If you know Jesus Christ, the Bible says you're righteous. Let me try it again. How many of you are righteous? Okay, a few of you still won't lift your hand. You're just so afraid you're going to become a charismatic if you raise your hand. All right, now listen. Okay, now listen. You are in a state of righteousness because you are saved, not because you always do what is right. When you were born, you were born in a state of sin even though you had never sinned. Right? See, when a little baby's born, they have a sin nature, but they've never sinned. They're born in a state of sin. Okay? When you are born again, you're born again into a state of righteousness. Even though you hadn't done anything right in that moment. The state of righteousness does not disappear because you fail to do that which is right. You say, but I sinned. You did sin, but you see you have the nature of righteousness. And when you understand that that is your position in God, that the blood of Christ, the Bible says, cleanses us from all sin. When does it do that? When I confess? No, always. You see, the, the verb in the Greek is this that the blood of Christ is continually always cleansing you from all sin all the time. All the time. You say, but don't I have to confess? You confess it because you're agreeing with God not to remove the penalty of sin. The penalty of sin has already been taken away at the cross when he imparted to you righteousness. What this does is this makes complete acceptance possible for you every day of your life. You never feel like you're far from God because God has already given you his righteousness as his child. You have complete acceptance. You see, what happens to Christians who don't understand this principle of righteousness is that they get depressed and they, then they want to stay away from church because they've been sinning. and go, I, I feel guilty when I'm there. It's not because of your sin you feel guilty. It's because you don't understand that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Once you understand that, you have full acceptance. Then what happens when you accept that and understand that, now you start to live out your position in Christ as the righteousness of God. This is so critical. This is so important. If you miss this, you will never enjoy the Christian life. Never. Because you're always going to go back from, well, I'm just not that good. I sinned. God doesn't hear me. 
when did God become death? Think about just the logic of that. God doesn't hear me. Oh, he's deaf now. It doesn't even make sense. And the enemy, what he does is he takes your natural mind and he twists it because he doesn't want you to understand your position in Jesus Christ of righteousness. What happens? You start to live it out and all of a sudden opposition comes. Opposition, what does it do? It releases the divine power of God. So all of a sudden you start moving. I feel opposed. God says, I'm going to give you more. Would you step forward? I'm going to give you more. Would you step forward? I'm going to give you more. Would you step forward? Would you step forward? Would you step forward? Would you keep going? Would you keep going? How far will you go with God? I will give you more power. I, am, I have unlimited amount of power that I can put inside you, but you've got to keep moving forward in the faith. Ron Carpenter put it like this. An enemy arising in your life is a key indicator of the next stage of your future is about to happen. It's about to become born in your life. When you see an enemy, you go, whoa, I got an enemy. God goes, good. Now you understand what it's all about. I had an enemy. Did that keep me from going forward? You see, we've come so far into this victim that whenever we get a little opposition, we think we got to quit. Why? When was the easy stuff ever on the surface? When did you find gold on the top of the ground? When did you find oil floating down the river, uh, you know, next to your house? When did you find diamonds that were sitting on the surface? The best stuff is underground. It's got to dig for it. You've got to believe for it. You've got you to go after it. You see, you've got to see before you receive. You see with your spiritual man, you don't see with your physical eye. Genesis chapter 30, let's keep going here. It's going to get good. Genesis 30, 37 through 43. Now Jacob took for himself rods of green poplar and almond and chestnut trees and peeled white strips in them and exposed the white which was in the rods. Can you imagine sitting down with him and going, hey, what are you doing? What I'm going to do is I'm going to peel this bark off, and there's some spots underneath there, and then I'm going to take these, these limbs here, these little sticks, I'm going to put them in front of the, the animals, and when they drink water, then they're going to, those solid-colored animals are going to give forth speckled animals. That's the story. That's the story. That's a crazy story. That's as crazy as Noah building an ark. If you ask me, it never rained, and Noah's going to build an ark. God says, it's going to rain. What's the rain? All right, now look at here. Okay, he set before the flocks in the gutters in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink so that they should conceive when they came to drink. So the flocks conceived before the rods and the flocks brought forth streaked, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face toward the streaked and all the brown in the flock of Laban. He, but he put his own flocks by themselves and did not put them in Laban's flock. And it came to pass whenever the stronger livestock conceived. So now he's got speckled. And he says, these are the better ones. All right. Now he's practicing this, this animal husbandry. He's really uh, breeding, right? He gets all the strong ones over here. He puts the speckled stick, uh, uh, sticks in front of them, and they conceive, and they give forth more speckled. And Laban's over here scratching his head. I put them three days apart. How in the world are they getting together? In the spiritual realm. There are no geographical limits to the spiritual realm. Remember I said that earlier? What you can see here, you can conceive somewhere else. 
Now, some of you are going to get this. Some of you are going to go walk out here and go, I don't know what he was talking about today, but, you know, I know i got a speckled dog now. I mean, that's, where, that's how deep it's going to get. Amen? i got to get me a solid bowl. That dog will turn brown. I know he will. Verse 41, and it came to pass whenever the stronger livestock conceived, Jacob placed the rods before the eyes of the livestock in the gutters that they might conceive among the rods. But when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger were Jacob's. Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous. Why? Because he listened to the spirit man. That's all. And he had large flocks, female and male servants, camels and donkeys. Now here, watch this. Fasting moves the spiritual and then the natural. See, what happens in fasting, I'm motivated to move the spiritual, and then the natural follows. It's not the natural moves the spiritual. You will see what is there and not what is seen. See, the things that are there in the spiritual realm that you don't see with the physical eye. When you begin to see those things, those things become reality because you're moving now. You see, God is the creator who is creative, who created creatures to be creative and to create. That's why you're made in his image. That's why you can speak and he can speak. He said, but it's been so hard. You know, I got knocked down. Hey, getting knocked down is not bad. The Bible says the righteous man falls seven times, rises again. See, it's not, how, it's not how hard you fall, it's how high you bounce. Come on. Amen. It is not how hard you fall, it's how high you bounce. My kids were little, they had this little ball called a super ball. Remember those? First time I saw one, you know, I dropped it and the thing went over my, what is that? It's a super ball. A Super Bowl. Took it outside, threw it down on the ground. Two days later, it came back. <laughs> Super Bowl. I love the Super Bowl. What I thought about, I thought Christians are Super Bowls. You might throw them down and bet, you know what? They're going to go up even higher. The harder you fall, the higher you're going to go. You may have failed, but you're not a failure. Amen? I mean, you think about it. You say, God, I tell you what, every time I hit hard, I know I'm going to bounce higher next time. Amen? Amen and amen. All right, let's stand together. I want to give you a couple of life applications here. Here's the first one. You attract what you see. What are you seeing? You see discouragement, you're attracting it. You see hope, you're going to attract it. Life, you're going to attract it power and authority, you're going to attract it. Well, I don't have any friends. Well, you just attracted it. Why do you think God said to me, the words of my mouth, O Lord, be acceptable to you? Why? You see, God thinks this is pretty powerful. What comes out of my mouth has an effect on everyone around me. You have to press through the resistance. You say, it's just so hard. Change your vocabulary 
and see how easy it gets. Well, I don't have victory. Just add the word yet on the end of it. Every time you have a negative, just put yet on the end of it. I don't have any money yet. I don't have any friends yet. Don't have any power yet. Don't have any miracles yet. You get around people that don't have a yet, run. If you, you know, because you know what? You don't transform people. They transform you. I get around people and they start telling me negative stuff and I'm, and then I start thinking, yeah, me too. Next thing I know, I'm one-upping them. Oh, that's nothing. Amen. Hey, you know what? Just go, hey, you know what? Just add a yet on it. I just don't think God hears me yet. Can you all say yet? How much better it feels? Amen. Close your eyes with me, would you? I want you just to begin to to just experience a little bit in the spiritual realm. Just begin to talk to God right now. Just, just telling God in your spirit, man. Just, and you can just verbalize it out with your mouth. You can just say, God, I just, uh, maybe you need friends. Just say, God, I just need some new friends. God, I need a new job. God, I need some resources. God, will you show me? How, I, I just see it happening, God. Would you just, I see it happening now. God, I'm moving from what I need. Now I'm moving into what I see. See the difference? I'm moving from what I need into what I see. Now I see it, God. God, I begin to see my friends coming. I begin to see power in my life. I begin to see all these things happening now, God. I see it. I see it. What do you see for God? What are you seeing for God? Would you just thank him right now? I want you to pray this out loud with me. Just everyone, just, just, I'm just going to take a prayer and just go down this road for a minute with you, okay? Dear Jesus, let's try that again. We're all going to try this. Dear Jesus, how much better that sounds? Kind of feels good, huh? Dear Jesus, okay, well, let me try it one more time. Dear Jesus, help me to see in the spirit realm what you have for me to realize all the hope, all the power, all the creativity that you have for me. I want to see what is not there in order to have what is there. Some of you haven't seen yourself with God yet. You, you feel separated or apart from God. You're not even sure you know God. I want you to see Jesus who died on the cross. Not the historical moment. That's a part of it. But more than that, he died for you. He died to take away every sin that you have. I want you to see it. Now I want you to feel the release. Just ask him to forgive you of your sin. To come into your life, to save you. Would you just give your heart to Jesus right now? Say, Jesus, I don't even know what that means, but I want to, I want to follow you. I want to love you. I want to serve you, God. Save me, Lord Jesus. If that was your prayer, I want you to know that he heard, he saw, and he did. How many of you prayed that today? Just raise your hand up if you prayed that today. Just slip your hand up. Amen. Amen. Probably 15 or 20 of you raised your hand. Hey, guess what? That's legit. That's how God works. It's so simple. It's hard. Because you go, well, why is it? 
why has this got to be so simple? Well, you think, would you like it better if God made it super complicated? Or would you rather him just say, hey, I love you. I love you. Yeah, but God, you don't know me. Oh, he knows you. He knows all the goofy stuff you've done. He loves you. Just embrace that. Amen? Amen.